Today's episode is brought to you by Highlight. Buying, selling, and minting NFTs should be as easy as buying something on Amazon Prime. And that's exactly why Highlight was started. You have access to no-code tools and infrastructure to help creators and artists design and mint NFTs. You can also build custom-branded membership communities and connect with your most loyal fans. To learn more about Highlight can help your business level up, go to highlight.xyz. That's highlight.xyz. Today's episode is brought to you by Highlight. Buying, selling, and minting NFTs should be as easy as buying something on Amazon Prime. And that's exactly why Highlight was started. You have access to no-code tools and infrastructure to help creators and artists design and mint NFTs. You can also build custom-branded membership communities and connect with your most loyal fans. To learn more about Highlight can help your business level up, go to highlight.xyz. That's highlight.xyz. I'm not pressured to keep the series going because I know that works. I'm into creating new stuff and seeing how it goes. I'm not a slave to the, oh, well, this is what works, so let me just keep doing this only. No, I'm going to press the envelope. I'm going to push the line. I'm going to see if they like this, too. And what about this? I'm going to grab this and think of this kind of character. What if I do this? You know, So I don't have a problem with that. Plus, I've done so much. I've done the series thing to a degree. Now I want to move on to something else. I want to challenge myself to do another character or another storyline and see if people like that. Hey, welcome to the Trapital Podcast. I'm your host and the founder of Trapital, Dan Runcy. This podcast is your place to gain insights from the executives in music, media, entertainment, and more who are taking hip-hop culture to the next level. Today's guest is Big Cha. He's an actor, creator, filmmaker, comedian, and one of the funniest people on the internet. I was first put on to Big Cha's work because I got to know Dame Ritter. Shout out to Dame. He used to run Funk Volume and he's now Chief Operating Officer at BeatStars, but he also manages Ja. And Ja is someone who I think has definitely been one of the more successful independent creators that I've seen, being able to leverage social media to grow his platform and now accrue millions of followers on Facebook and on YouTube. And we talk a lot about how he's built his career. He's someone that first went to school to study film and how he transitioned eventually to wanting to be the person behind the camera, but realizing that there was a lot of value from him being the person in front of the camera as well. And that's when things really started to take off for him. And we talked about how he approaches comedy, some of the most successful franchises and series that he's had, and his bigger ambitions to still be able to do more motion pictures and do more stuff behind the scenes. And we talked a lot as well about just how much of a grind it can be for creators to always produce content nonstop and how that's what the algorithms ultimately want you to do. And that's definitely something that I can relate to. I know a lot of people listening to this can relate to as well. We also talked about how he looks at running his business, what his team looks like, and so much more. If you are interested in the different levels of the creator economy, there is this essay that I wrote a couple months back, the overlooked levels of the creator economy. And I talked a lot about the success at each stage. Job was one of the people that was featured and mentioned in that article. So I definitely recommend you check that out and peep this episode because I think that anyone that is on this landscape, you're trying to level up, determine when do you partner with other companies, when do you don't, this is the episode for you. 
Had a great chat with him. Hope you enjoyed it. Here's my conversation with Big Ja. All right, today we got the one and only Big Ja. He's a comedian, an actor, a filmmaker himself. Ja, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, bro. Appreciate that. Appreciate it for sure. Hey, I've always been a big fan of you, how you've built up your platform, not just on social media, but through touring and putting everything out there. And one of the things that stuck out to me is your brand. You've referred to yourself as putting out hood good comedy. Can you talk more about that and what that means? Yeah, man. Hood good comedy, bro. It's just, I'm from the hood, bro. So hood good means good things come out of the hood and I'm one of them. So it's just sometimes you being from the hood or growing up in that environment, it's a a humble beginnings, tough times, things that a lot of people wouldn't want to go through. But if you're from here and you grew up this way and you end up, you, you turn out good, you turn out okay. I, I loved my, I love my upbringing. I love even the hard, the hard times. So it's almost, almost like making lemonade out of the lemons, you know what I'm saying? So it's hood good comedy. A lot of times the stuff I like to talk about or, or display on camera are things that if you're from the hood, you can relate to. You don't even have to be from the hood to relate to it, but for sure, if you're from the hood, you can relate to it. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of what I make it for everybody, but I make it for specifically for folks from the hood, you know? And I think what helps you as well is that, of course, there's a lot of black content that is out there now with Netflix and all these other streaming services, but you're able to tell stories and talk about things that aren't going to get covered in those spaces. And I think that just shows that even though people may think that there's this abundance of content that's everywhere, no, you're telling stories through your comedy and through your sketches that you know are not going to get told elsewhere. So you have a good niche for yourself there. Yeah. Thank you, bro. It took me a minute to find it. Well, it took me a minute to do it consistently because I've always wanted to do this type of stuff, this type of content. But growing up watching Martin, you know, uh, Jamie Foxx show or The Wood, Don't Be a Man, This Men's Society, all those different shows and movies, Harlem Nights, Eddie Murphy, like Boomerang, those those films definitely shaped my, influenced me into doing what I do now. And so I, I feel like you watch Friday, that Friday show, the, the movie Friday is specifically for the hood. Anybody can like it. Anybody can find value in it and find humor in it. But for sure, the hood is going to love it because it's exactly where we come from. It tells the story. It tells our story. When I had the opportunity to do that, I wanted to do the same thing. Yeah. And those movies you mentioned and the TV shows, too, they all hit this era that I feel like a lot of us grew up with that we saw on TV. Right. The 90s had such a renaissance for not just black entertainment, but comedy, too. I mean. Thinking about even you mentioning the wood, a lot of people may not think about that as a traditional comedy, but it's a coming of age story. Everyone remembers what it's like, you know, going to prom or going through any of those experiences. For me, for sure, one hundred percent relatable. And it was, and it's funny because I remember going through almost every single thing in that movie I experienced as a kid growing up. So yeah, that's why the wood is a classic for me. I would love to create something like that for myself, for the people, another version of. The hood, good stories and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah, because now we're in this space where they're starting to make sequels of all those, right? Because Best Man came out right around the same time as The Wood Best and Man. that Best Man Holiday. And I think I saw something they're trying to put out another one of these. I don't know. Well, that series is dope. I think that cast is so strong. They can do a part three. And as long as it's just that cast and the, the, the next thing, someone else is getting married or someone's going through a divorce or someone's having a baby shower or something, I think you can do more or turn it into a TV show or something about that cast is so dope. I think 
I think they could do it. And, and I think all the actors in that movie wouldn't mind doing the series. You know what I'm saying? Because they're all doing the thing, but I, I'm sure that'd be a great opportunity for them to really get back on camera together and, and, and consistently. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things about your career that I think is a bit more unique from maybe that generation of stars is they very much were trained to perfect how they were on screen, right? They're either going to be in TV and movies. Your career is a little different because you have to be a face on social media. You're doing your stand-up. You have your specials, your movies, and then even your own touring. And I got to imagine that there's a bit of maneuvering there between each of those areas. You're not trying to get pigeonholed, but you also know that you need to have exposure in each of those. What has it been like navigating each of those areas, but knowing that they're all part of how you run and do what you do? It's still a challenge. It's lovely. It's a beautiful struggle, man. It's crazy because I went to film school to learn how to make films. And then I, I went and did a comedy. I started pursuing comedy when I moved back to L.A. And I was trying to make it as a comic, still trying to make it as a comic and, you know, get on tours, open up for for different comics, get to be, become a stronger comic, get my hour going. And it was moving but at, at a snail's pace. I was growing as a, as a comic, but I just wasn't professionally growing as a comic. And then it, it dawned on me, like, once I started reaching back and grabbing my film information, my film degree and, and working on films and sketches and just doing content like that, it took my comedy and it boosted it and it fast forwarded a lot of things. Or, or I wouldn't say fast forwarded. I think it brought me up to speed with my comedy, you know, because the biggest thing about comedy, no matter how funny you are, if you can't get butts in the seats, no one cares. You know, promoters don't care and you don't care either. If you throw a show and no one comes and you don't really have a show. Because you probably still got to perform, but, you know, it's it's just being a filmmaker and a comedian at the same time allows me to, A, I interchange both. So if I think of a dope, funny sketch, a lot of the time I put that that, that sketch on, on stage and talk about the sketch as the comedy bit. But most of my sketches come from comedy anyhow, come from my stage work. So I have a joke about certain things, word plays. The, the whole crew is stupid came from a joke on stage. The lesbian homie came from a joke on stage, you know? Yeah, man. So I think it it worked in my favor. At first, I was doing one or the other. Now I'm doing both, you know? So Yeah, and I figure with that, too, each of these, it gives you an opportunity to just get that quick feedback. You can then turn that into however you're going to make the actual longer form content itself, right? You put something Mm -hmm. on social media, you see the engagement. That's your feedback. You doing something on tour, you see how the crowd reacts. You see, okay, there are differences with the crowd in this city versus that city. And then each of those things, I'm sure, gives you the confidence to be like, okay, if we're going to spend several weeks or several months putting this project together, I know this is going to hit because of what I saw from the response from people. Right. True. Yeah. Social media is great for that. You know, instantly, whether or not it's funny or not, or you can find out instantly whether it's funny or not and even if you don't find it that it's funny right away doesn't mean it's not funny i refuse to believe that social media is the only way to to, to gauge whether a joke is funny or not it's a good way because if people laughing that means it's funny you know what i'm saying if people don't laugh they mean they're not laughing yet in my opinion but yeah so i navigate through both you know stand-up comedy sketch comedy and then um moving on to feature films eventually that's the goal that's the immediate goal you know so yeah Let's talk more about that immediate goal, because I feel like 
people could probably look at your career from the outside in and be like, oh, he's killing it independently. He's doing his thing. He has things in motion. And you definitely hit one of those higher levels of being someone that has their platform and being able to just do bigger things with it. But you're still like, no, you want to be able to do the feature films and you want to be able to do bigger and bigger things. Can you talk about that difference there? Because I know that there was likely a stage maybe from where you, you may have been several years ago, where the point you're at now would have been like, oh, this is where I really want to be able to get to, right? And then now it's about what it looks like for that next level, being able to do more motion pictures. Well, like I said, I went to film school and so my goal was to, in a perfect world, create a film, enter it into a film festival, win it, win several film festivals, book an agent, you know what I'm saying? that, And then get to the point where I'm, a, I'm in a position to create, write, and direct my own films. And that's the typical way, I believe, you know. But then this thing called social media came. And it took me a while to really buy into it. That's what really changed my world and my mindset. A lot of the time, I was trying to be an employee. I was trying to be a writer for Sketch Comedy Network or a writer for Fox, a writer for ADD or something like that. So I was trying to pitch me. I was pitching myself to, you know, what the funny back in the day, which is the Wayans Brothers and whatnot. So I was sitting in the offices just trying to say, hey, well, look at the sketch I did. Look at the sketch. Look at, read my scripts. And no one really took hold of it. No one really, long story short, no one, everyone said no. They didn't say no, like, no, we're not going to mess with you. But they didn't hire me. They didn't put me in position in their company to thrive or to become a team player. So eventually I got to the point where I was like, I got to do this myself. And so let me start a page from scratch, put my name on it and start making for the first sketch and the second sketch and the third and fourth and keep going. As opposed to, because most of my sketches, especially in the first year, most of my sketches were sketches I wrote for ADD or for other platforms. And they wasn't rocking with me at first, you know? And so, uh, Shout out to them. I, I know a lot of people over there and it's all love. And, but um, it was a blessing in disguise. Me not like selling my, my scripts over there or getting hired to be a director over there forced me into doing my own thing. And I'd much rather be, do, would be doing this than anything else. So uh, the feature film thing, I also still want to stay. I would love to be independent, an independent filmmaker that makes what I want to make and at the time and the pacing that I want to make it. But um, my goal is to always make my goal was to always make films and TV. So I went to school for that. And when I came across social media, it was it's not I wouldn't say it's a step back. because It's not. It's a step across. It's another way of getting to where I want to go. And uh, it took me some years to figure that out. But uh, I did. So I said, OK, they, they put in sketches. And well, instead of spending months of making a short film or many months trying to make a feature and trying to get the funding for to produce a feature or a short, let me just take this camera that I have and my equipment that I already have and start shooting small vignettes. Show small sketches because people are doing it anyways. Small sketches and just keep doing that until something happens. And something happens is a fan base. And a fan base is the most important thing to any entertainer. Singer, writer, poet, author, dancer. You build a fan base, that's the most important thing, in my opinion. And um, because at that point, you have people who love what you do. You know, and you don't need a, you don't need a, a producer or a studio to say yes, to do what you want to do. I can move right now by myself. And it took me a while to get to this point. It's a blessing that people do like what I do and they do support. So, like I said, it's it, it's way more gratifying than making someone else's dream come true. And I'm making my own, you know, so 
is powerful, especially to be able to do it on your own. And yeah. you saw what it was like. You tried to break out initially and they weren't feeling it at first. But now that you have a bit more clout and leverage, you can do the same thing yourself. And in that space, I'm sure it's a bit of this distinction where you're wearing multiple hats, right? You're the lead person as the comic and the creator and the face of the brand. You also want to be the filmmaker, the person that can direct and put everything together. Do you feel as if people are always seeing you in that light? Or do you feel like you may have to remind people, no, no, I'm also interested in this other aspect as well? Oh, as far as acting, producing, directing, Okay. So one thing I will say this, I started off when I was, when I was, when I would create different things, whether it was a short film or, or just a piece of content, a lot of the time I was writing it and I was directing it and I was shooting it and I was getting other actors to be in it and building it that way. And no one really, I would put it online. Nobody would really follow it or watch it. And maybe because it was just too soon. Then back in 2017, I decided, let me put myself on camera, have someone film me doing all the funny stuff. I'm writing for other people. Let me do let me do the funny stuff. And I was already an actor. I have an agent and I've been acting since 2009. So so it's not like I was just a director writer. I was an actor as well, but I didn't care. When it came to my projects, I was just seeing other people play these roles. And I was, I was working under the hat of writer director. And then it got to the point where, all right, you can't really rely on people, especially when you have no money and, 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 and limited resources and limited time. So you have to start doing things yourself. And so I said, okay, cool. Well, I'm going to have to find somebody who rocks with me, who cares about what I do, and ask them to shoot me. Just hold the camera, push record, and just make sure it's steady. And I'm going to go in front of the camera, and then I'm going to be the funny. And that's when things start picking up. That's when things took off. So to answer your question about reminding people that, uh, yeah, I mean, well, honestly, I would love to, as much as I love being in front of the camera and telling jokes and being funny and being silly, I would love to just write and direct. Sometimes. Sometimes. To where it's a project that's produced by me, directed by me, but I don't have to be the lead star. I can just literally sit back and direct the actors and make something dope. So eventually I plan on getting to that. I think this year, the remainder of this year, I'm going to start putting more projects together where I'm not the focal point. But the focal point is what people come to see. At this point, it's me. So I would love to get to the point where people would love just to see my content, whether I'm in front of the camera or the main character or not. They just are interested in seeing what I put together. So that's the goal. Right. That reminds me of something I heard recently from Quinta Brunson from Abbott Elementary. She had said when she was first pitching the show, she actually didn't even have herself as the lead in the role. And then the people that at ABC were like, uh, we didn't buy this project without you in this. Like You have to be in this. So it was interesting to hear her experience through that. And I think similarly with you, it would be interesting to see what she continues to do on that path. Because I do think that there's this thing where, yes, what people may most respond to is seeing the person they're most familiar with. But as the thing expands and grows, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. And I think one of the ways that you've done that, and I think it continued through, is that you do have consistent series throughout your content. You have the lesbian homie, you have inner thoughts and some of these other sketches. And I think in in a lot of ways, these are the franchises that you have under your umbrella. And in thinking about that piece, do you ever think about the balance of content, whether you want to continue making shows in those series because you know how popular they are versus trying new series out and doing things? How much do you balance the content play between what you know is already proven versus 
testing new things out? Honestly, I would say over the years, I've gotten more comfortable with this. I've been going back and forth. I've been going, like, for example, when I first did my first big project I did, or my first sketch that really did numbers and really got me some notice was uh, Tiberius, the Hood Man. And that, that kind of spread fast and it was getting shared a lot. And I was like, man, this is dope. And so I did another one. I did a part two. Then I did like an episode three of it and episode four. And I kept going. I was like, All right, let me fall back and not just do this one character, this one type of uh, piece of content. Let me do some difference. I'm coming too. That was my second like non sequitur series. You know what I'm saying? It, just, it was just episode for episode here and there. But I was doing that. I'm coming too. And that really did well. Me and my homegirl, shout out to Sade. So that was a totally different room. It was still hood good, but it was I was a different type of character. And Tiberius, I'm this big Debo type character, and, and I'm coming too. I'm like this big guy too. You can't hide my size, but pause. But you can. My lady is the bully. My lady is the one punking me and stuff like that. So that was like a two different dynamics there, and um, it did well. And then I moved on to I forget the next one. I think I, that might have been Leslie Homie. The next one, but then the whole crew was stupid. I keep trying. But I was still doing episode one, two, and three of this series. One, two, and three of that series, and I was adding on. The whole crew is stupid. My inner thoughts. The roommate pays all the bills. I kept doing. So I don't have a problem with doing something new because I feel like I feel like if I'm blessed enough to make these go, then the next projects, the next different ideas will go too. You know. So that's what I mean about like, yeah, I don't, I don't have. A, I'm not pressured to keep the series going because I know that works. I'm into creating new stuff and seeing how it goes. I'm not a slave to the. Oh well, this is what works. So let me just keep doing this only. Nah, I'm, I'm gonna press. I'm gonna press the envelope. I'm gonna push the line. And I'm gonna say, well, I'm gonna see if they like this too. And what about this? So I'm gonna grab this and think of this kind of character. What if I do this? You know. So I don't have a problem with that. Plus, I've done so much. I've done the series thing to a degree. Now I want to move on to something else. I want to challenge myself to do another character or another storyline and see if people like that. Let's take a quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsor. Let's talk more about today's sponsor. Highlight. It's the easiest and most effective way to onboard and establish artists' fan base to Web3. They make it easy for you to build, mint, and launch token-gated communities with no crypto experience required. Highlight is a community-building platform, not a marketing platform. You can allow your most engaged fans to participate in your community's growth by buying membership in NFTs that they own, let members enjoy access to a private community, gated content, and exclusive benefits. And you can help creators earn a revenue split every time membership or benefits are bought and sold. Highlight is backed by the world's leading crypto technologists, music management companies, and other prominent players. Investors include Han Ventures, Kevin Durant's 35 Ventures, and more. Are you an artist, manager, or exec, and are you interested in finding out how to sign up for a free account? Learn more by going to highlight.xyz. That's highlight.xyz. Yeah, and that follows with what you said earlier in terms of if you're only doing things for the response, you're not taking into account that some things may not take off on social media, but that doesn't mean that they're not funny. It could be the algorithm doing whatever it's doing that day. You still got to have the confidence in what you're putting out that it's good and that people are going to resonate with that. Truth. Truth. Definitely. Yeah. yeah I'm confident in that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. One of the other things too that stuck out to me is that Facebook has been a pretty big channel for you in terms of where you have had a lot of your audience on social media, where there's been a lot of the growth and attraction there. But I also know that Facebook hasn't always been the easiest platform for 
a lot of creators to be able to navigate, even though they have the biggest user base out of anyone. How have you been able to make the platform work for you? Well, let me start by saying shout out to Facebook. Facebook has been amazing. It's been a blessing for sure. And I agree with you. They're not the easiest to navigate through. If I had to critique them, which I would say they, their customer service needs to be much better. Their customer, I, I think for someone like myself and other creators, we should have a little bit more love. We should get a little bit more love from them, a little bit more support from Facebook on the do's and don'ts and more and more clarity, you know, and I think that it should be more, we should be handled better, to be honest with you. As far as how do I help my channel go, and if I'm being 100% honest with you, I've never strategized. I literally just, I do all the work on my end and I post. I don't, and well, I will say I do have times where I, I, will, I, I do strategize in the sense I will say I want to post every day between 8 and 10 o'clock, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. I don't post in the evening times, I post in the morning and I'm on the West Coast. So if it's 8 o'clock here in the morning in, the, in L.A., it's at 11 o'clock in the morning in New York. So it's still morning and I post and I've been doing that for years. So and because I'm not really clear on what to do and what not to do with Facebook, it's not very clear. I just do me. And hopefully it works. So uh, I do have some hangups here and there, but for the most part, I've been pretty successful as far as getting my content out and there being no real problem. Yeah, it's interesting because especially at your level, having millions of followers on the platform and through your page as well, having some type of custom service for someone at your level would make a lot of sense because I know that that's something that is existing on a lot of the other platforms. And to your point, I don't think any of these platforms have necessarily been perfect. They're always having challenges, but some of them have been more catering to others. But yeah, it's been fascinating to see. With that, after Facebook, which other platform would you say has been the most beneficial for you? I know where your followers are, but more from your perspective, which one have you enjoyed both from an engagement and a performance perspective? Believe it or not, YouTube was my first platform that really, no, Instagram. Instagram was where I started putting my one minute videos on, my 15 second videos on first, 15 second videos. And then they gave us a minute. So I started doing one minute pieces of work. And and then I started going on YouTube and then Facebook. YouTube, IG, and then Facebook. IG and Facebook at the same time, because I think they're together. At least they are now. But I didn't see much. I didn't get that much love on Facebook initially. It was, most of my success was coming on IG. And I think maybe because it's more personal, it's closer, you, it's right there in your hand, and it's just a little bit more popular than Facebook and YouTube IG is. But I started there, and then I started really focusing on YouTube first. And then you, then Facebook started coming along strong. And so now I would say Facebook, YouTube, and then IG as far as my success. TikTok is there as well. I'm not as strong on Twitter as I should probably be. But Twitter is there, but mostly Facebook is my biggest platform. Then it's YouTube. Then it's Instagram. Then it's TikTok, actually. Then it's YouTube. Then it's Instagram. So Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. Those are my four biggest platforms. And Facebook and YouTube are my biggest. Yeah. It's interesting because I do think that for anyone that is creating content and using platforms, there's normally going to be a few that you gravitate the most to for 
what your strengths are and where you think works the best for you. And I think in past interviews, you had talked about Vine and saying like, hey, there's certain people that are good with six seconds, but that just didn't necessarily work for what I was working with. But when IG had expanded, you had 15 and then 30 seconds and a whole minute, you were like, all right, bet, this is exactly where I need to be. Right. And I think even Twitter, to some extent with that, right, I think that Twitter probably is something that leads itself a bit more to people reacting to whatever the current thing is. And I don't necessarily look at your comedy in that type of way, right? right? So I do feel like you've definitely found the places where you can perform the best and where your audience is at. The other th question that I had for you, though, was around given everything that you do with what you do on social media, what you may do on tour as well, for other people that may be looking at you or where you're at, at least independently, what are the rough breakdowns of where your revenue comes from in terms of from touring you know, versus other areas? And doesn't need to be like specifics, more so from a percentage perspective, but how you run the business and where you, know, you expect things to come from. Okay, well... My biggest income, my biggest sources of revenue are from Facebook and YouTube. And then any given month, it would be merch and or uh, brand deals like sponsorships. So Facebook and YouTube. And then depending on if I have a shirt that I'm selling or it's a shirt that people really like, or it's a piece of it's a hat or it's some type of piece of clothing that I have that people really like at that. I try to come up with something every month or something like that. So depending on the month, it could be my third revenue could be merch. Or it could be sponsorships, depending on if I I land a deal with a brand, with a company, and they want to, you know, get this product promoted, and they pay me this amount of money. So it could be brand deals, which are very important too. Like especially if a brand deal fits your brand, it can really work. If you're creative, you can keep that relationship going for a while, for a long time, and that's the goal is to get a working relationship with these with these companies and let them confide in you, and you respect what they what they're doing and what they're willing to give and. And you and then what you're willing to give as far as your expertise and your talent and stuff like that. And hopefully I'll come to a, an agreement and get it going for the, for the long term. So I will say merch, then uh, then brand deals or sometimes brand deals, then merch. But YouTube and Facebook are my biggest platforms. Where does touring fit in that? Touring. I haven't toured since 2019. So 2019, this is before the pandemic that it fit in there. It was good. I had a great time. I, I loved the tour. My goal was to go back on tour in 2020. I was going to go on tour every year, but pandemic hit and you know, 2020 was a blur. It was a down year. I caught COVID before the lockdown. I caught it before the lockdown. So I was in bad shape and then I got better. And then it was still, the city was unlocked. So no one was going anywhere. Then people started touring, but at this point I got to get back to shooting. That's another thing. It's balancing the two. Going back to that first question or the, or the first couple of questions you asked about navigating between like comedy, stand-up comedy and filmmaking and sketch comedy creating. It's tough when you, one thing about sketch comedy or social media creation is different from TV and movies because there's all seasons in TV and movies. You can, you can make movies all year round. Yes. But like with this pilot season, there's like, especially for TV, there's off seasons, you know, sometimes like the city, like Hollywood shuts down for a few months a year right? During the holidays and whatnot. As a social content creator, social media content creator, there's no off days, really, really. You got you, a lot of times you find yourself, I'm victim to it too. And it's like racing against the algorithm. That's the problem. We don't have a network deal where you're getting paid this amount of money to create this. And then, you know, everything's set in stone. You're good. Come to work, do your work. When the season is wrapped, you go do something else. You go to another project and or you go on vacation. 
with social media content creation, you have to create your own vacation. And it's tough because then you look at your, your numbers, you look at your pages and your, and your pages aren't really going because you're not putting content up because you're taking a break. It's hard to take a break. That's the, that's one of the biggest challenges I think any social media creator can feel and relate to. Like, yeah, that's something that I think everybody can relate to. And the, the, the constant need or want or pressure to keep creating. Social media never gets tired of you. Or they might get tired of you, but they'll never be like, hey, that's enough. They want more. This sketch is funny. What's next? You know, with a TV show, you know, you got 13 episodes, 10 episodes, and then you got to wait for the all season for them to reshoot some stuff and then get back to showing you season two, season three, season four with episode with, with social media content. Big job. That was funny. Hilarious. When's the next sketch coming? When's the next lesbian homie? When's the next roommate pays all the bills? When's the next, you know, Tiberius? It never slows down. It's a grind. It is. I can speak to that myself. And the algorithms don't know you want to take PTO, right? They're not going to be favorable to you when you come back. And that's what can make it so tough with it. And I'm sure for you, that's probably a lot of the thought behind wanting to eventually shift to being less the main person in front of the camera and doing more behind the camera, because then that just frees up a bit more of your time to still be able to leverage what you created, but not need to be as on demand. Right. I don't mind it. I love acting. I love creating. I love being in front of the camera. But at the same time, I feel like I could be just, I could be even more effective. I just love, I see other, I see a lot of talent around me that might not get the recognition unless they're in my video. I'm the, it's my video. I'll create a storyline and I pull them into the storyline and then I try to showcase them and try to show how talented he or she is and show that so hopefully they can build their own following off of it or continue building their following. A lot of them already have a following, but they want to increase it. So a lot of times I have to take them and put them in my video for them to get as much notice as they want to get, as opposed to these people are so talented. I would just love just to work with them. I don't have to necessarily have them in my video. I can just, if they have an idea that they want to do, I wouldn't mind producing it. I would love to eventually, my goal is also to create my own films and in my own TV shows, but also produce content for other strong creators, other strong actors and actresses that might not be directors. I see a lot of talented people that put content out and I'm like, ah, I don't like it because I'm very particular about how to convey a story, how to perform dialogue, how to really put a dope, strong scene together and a series of strings together, a, a series of scenes together to make a story, to make a short film, to make a film, to make a TV show episode. And I see a lot of funny, talented people that can act, that can do these things, but they're not directors, so it kind of falls flat. I would love to be, I would love to build some kind of conglomerate to where it's me along with other directors that that have access to these strong actors that can help tell their stories. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you definitely have the network and the access to these people and being able to create that platform makes a lot of sense. And what it makes me think of is just how people are structuring what their team or what their group of people look like. And I'd be curious to hear what that is like on your end. What does your team look like? How many people are working with you on a regular basis to put out your content, to run the business? And what are some of those roles that people currently have with where you are right now? Okay. So I can tell you how I started. I started by myself in my room on my phone, my iPad, and I had cameras. I had cameras equipment because I was a DP, not, not a professional. I mean, I was a professional DP, but I wasn't in for Hollywood, but I was a DP. I was directing music videos and being hired to shoot 
weddings, music videos, short films, sketches. I was doing all those things by myself. I had a, a truck full of equipment, a lot of DIY stuff. And then when I decided to do stuff for myself, like the Big Job brand, I'm, I'm pushing Big Job. The first guy I had was my boy Ken Edwin. I ran into Ken. Ken is another comedian, another actor and writer. I mean, I've known him for years, but I didn't know that he did content. So I ran into him about five years ago. I've known him for about eight. And then we didn't become real friends until five years ago. And I saw that he created too. And his stuff was dope. It was super, super creative. I was, I was in awe when I first saw it. And I was like, man, we need to work. And he come to find out he's just as selfless, as selfless as I am. Anytime I needed someone to shoot, he was there to shoot. If I needed to use his house, he I can come to his house and shoot at his house. If I needed to go to another location, he'd be there with his camera and my camera. We're putting them together and he's working. He was the first guy that really supported me in this as far as shooting. But even before that, when I was just a stand-up comedian and I just got my first camera and I was trying to start shooting for other comedians, my boy Craig Smith. Craig is like the first guy that really supported me, had my back. And it was a team. It was a team of two, me and him. Whether I was writing something, directing it, and he was an actor, or whether or not he was trying to network and tell people that we can shoot your projects. And me and him first started doing like uh, comedy specials, like short comedy specials. We would have like five, six comics at a time. They would come to a comedy show and we would film them doing their sets. And we did that, I'm talking about almost 10 years ago. So we've been do- doing this for a long time. And it, it kind of evolved into me doing the big job stuff and then adding to the team. So Ken, my boy Craig, my boy Troy, I ran to Troy working at a, a sketch house. We were all creating at this place called the Sketch House. And he and I were the only ones that actually were doing sketches on cameras, not just cell phones. Everyone else was doing cell phones. He and I were shooting on cameras. And we needed somebody to shoot because we didn't have we had cameras. We didn't have anyone to shoot for us because no one knew how to shoot cameras. They were all always on their phones. And so we decided to, you shoot for me, I'll shoot for you. And that's how we built that bond. So me, Troy, Craig, Ken, Minks. So I, I met a lot of these guys doing the work as sketch artists. And we just clicked and we just decided, okay, it's a group of us now. It's one, two, three, four of us. When you need when it's time for me to shoot, we got one of us going to shoot for you. When it's time for me to shoot, one of y'all got to shoot for me. And that's how the team formed. And that's when we started growing. I'm shooting every day. I'm shooting a couple sketches a day. I'm dropping two or three times a week. And my, my, my platform's starting to grow because now I'm flooding the followers. I'm flooding the supporters that are just, if they love this, you're going to love this. You're going to love this. So I was coming out with so many different pieces of content, so many different stories because I had guys that would come bring lights. They were, they were inexpensive. They were the cheapest lights you can get, but they were there. And we just, we, none of us really had any real money, but we had time and we had loyalty. And that's really the only reason why I got to where I'm at right now. Honestly speaking, it's that the team and and it wasn't like I had a professional casting uh, cast director, casting director or a professional DP or a gaffer. I just had the homies and we were just supporting each other, shooting all of our sketches together and we was putting out stuff. And then it got to the point where we were all making OK money. We were starting to make a little income from it. And we start. We had to meet. We had. We used to meet every Sunday. Every Sunday, we used to meet, and then we got to the point where we were saying we got to find our individual teams. As a team, we had to branch out and get our own shooters, our own editors, our own this, that, and the other. So we don't have to be bogged down weekly just doing work for each other. You know what I'm saying? Because I'll shoot their stuff, his stuff today, his stuff tomorrow. I'll, they'll shoot somebody shoot my stuff on Wednesday, and then I'm shooting their stuff on Thursday. And 
vice versa. And now a week we're all working is grinding. It's great. We're grinding, but we need time to do something else too, you know? And so now I had to regroup my team. I had to rebuild my team. These guys are still around. They're still my brothers. They were at the house today, I mean, yesterday, but I had to find my own guy that's going to shoot for me as opposed to always relying on them because now they got to be there. But we're all busy. We all got our own things. We've built our platforms. We have our fan bases. We have our algorithm to race against. You know what I'm saying? So instead of having him take the whole day to film my stuff, he needs to film his stuff. And now we need more than one day each. We need two, three, four days each for the week. You know what I'm saying? So now to answer your question, after giving you that quick backstory or that long backstory, my team now is smaller. My conglomerate of friends that are that, that I create with, they're still here. It's about five of us. The whole crew of stupid is the the show that I was doing. I was doing a live show December, I mean November, October, October, November, December of last year. I did a one monthly in Inglewood, California. I did a live show where I would show I would show sketches and I would show stand, I would, we would do stand up comedy in between the sketches. And it's about five of us. And yeah, five. Yes. So that's the crew. The whole crew. So that's the crew. But as far as me shooting now, I have a DP. And it's really just me and another guy. Me and my boy Anthony. He was also a director. But once again, you run across people who are selfless and just loyal to the cause. And he's a director first. A writer-director first that is strong with the camera and strong with lighting and strong with editing. And he does a lot of those things for me. He does basically sometimes it's like, for example, we just came, we just finished shooting the second season of Lesbian Homie and he helped me write that. He co-wrote it with me. He co-wrote it with me. He DP'd the whole season and he's editing the whole season. So he's really a person that is doing four or five guys jobs. You know what I'm saying? All in one. And it's a blessing to me. I, I met him a few years ago. He loves my content and we met basically him as a fan of the content. Come to find out he had this wealth of knowledge of filmmaking and we became a team. So he and I together created this whole season two of Lesbian Homie. And it's probably the best thing I've ever done, produced, written. And he has a lot to do with it. He 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 was he's an inspirational dude. And I'm all about organic relationships. And our, our relationship is very organic. Even though he came to LA and he wanted to meet me because he wanted to let me know what he can do. And and once I, once we met, clicked, we had the same type of style. So my team is small still. My goal is to branch out and delegate some of those uh, roles that he does to other people. But to be honest with you, I'm particular. You know, I have a certain style, a hood good style and how I edit, how I write. It's hard for me to like, have other people write for me or right, other people edit my stuff. But I, I don't have time to do all of this stuff. I've, I've written over 400 sketches, you know what I'm saying? So it gets to the point where I got to delegate some things so I can't be doing everything myself. My team is small, but I know over the years I've worked on bigger projects and I've done, I've hired, I do have access to other people because like I said, I grew, I came in this game doing directing and DP work. So I know a lot of other DPs that have camera gear and have experience. So when it comes time for me to shoot my actual film, I, I'll, I'll, I can have a casting director, wardrobe, DP, camera assistants, gaff and crew. I know I have enough resources and a uh, Rolodex of people I can contact when I need to do a full production. 
it's impressive what you've been able to do with the small team. I mean, outside in, someone could look and see like, oh, I'm sure he has a whole crew of people that are working with this. But like you said, you have people that are wearing multiple hats. They're shipping in here and there to do things. And that's ultimately how you build. And I think you ultimately do get to the place where things can continue to expand, but there's also no reason to make things bigger than they need to. Part of the beauty is you being able to be nimble and having a team that appears bigger than it is. I feel like that's the most powerful position to be in. And for you with that, what's on deck for you for the next few years? Um, Now that things are opening back up, now that the pandemic is starting to subside, what do you see for the next couple of years? What are you most excited about? I know you want to get more behind the camera, but is there any specific projects or anything else that we should keep an eye out for? Yeah. Yes, sir. I don't know when because I'm still, still it's still being written, but I'm going to do a film wrapped around the character Tiberius. I'm doing a Tiberius film and uh, I'm excited about that. I think that's going to be a big thing. I hopefully the, uh, I haven't brought Tiberius out in a long time and maybe I'm praying that the supporters, fans, supporters, I call them supporters most likely, usually will still like the idea of me coming out with a movie for Tiberius. So I audition still. I have an agent. I still audition for other roles. And I'm, I'm open to do other projects for other companies, other studios. But as far as my stuff, either one of the two, one of the two are going to happen. I'm either going to shoot the film this year or go on tour this year. And if I don't shoot this film this year, and I still do go on tour. I want to be, I want to, the film is within the next year, the, the film will be, be making the film. So, and that's whether, and I can do it independently. Like I said, I, I'm at the point now where I'm, I'm, it's a blessing to be able to say, I can just do this myself. I know how to, I know how to create film, just do it myself. And I have enough people around me of, of good people who are, are good at what they do to make a dope film. That's exciting, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, hey, Big John, this has been great. Before we let you go, though, where should the Chapital audience follow you to keep posted with what you're doing and everything that you got coming up? You can follow me everywhere on Big John, at Big John, B-I-G-G, two Gs. So it's B-I-G-G-J-A-H. That's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, I'll be on TikTok doing all kinds of stuff. I'll be dancing around. I don't be doing too much, but I do a little bit. But yeah, I'm, I'm on all platforms at Big Ja. Boom. Website, BigJa.com. That's two Gs, B-I-G-G-J-A-H.com. The Hood Good Store. Go get your merch. If you want to support, it's all love. If you don't, it's love anyways. But go to TheHoodGoodStore.com. That's T-H-E-H-O-O-D-G-O-O-D-S-T-O-R-E.com. That's TheHoodGoodStore.com. You can get almost most of the stuff I wear in my sketches. It's my own company. It's my own brand. And I sell it myself. So much love to y'all. If you got any more questions, I got answers. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Ja, appreciate you coming on. Brother Dan, thank you so much, bro. If you enjoyed this podcast, go ahead and share it with a friend. Copy the link, text it to a friend, post it in your group chat, post it in your Slack groups, wherever you and your people talk, spread the word. That's how Trapital continues to grow and continues to reach the right people. And while you're at it, if you use Apple Podcasts, go ahead, rate the podcast, give it a high rating and leave a review. Tell people why you like the podcast. That helps more people discover the show. Thank you in advance. Talk to you next week.